Women Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Crater and we've got a great show uh, today and we're going to talk about drama. Now, uh, drama is one of the things that I detest most. It's one of the things that drains me, it frustrates me, it makes me want to hide under a rock and work with machines for the rest of my life because I can't take drama. And there are people who live for drama. There are people who are energized. There are people who are just, they feel alive when they are in dramatic situations. And I find for me, when somebody's a drama queen or a drama king, I find myself just backing away, backing away, backing away, because I don't like that energy. I don't like frenetic, crazy um, energy. It disrupts me and it disrupts my day. And that's how I am. But there are people who love drama. I'm going to go to Kimberly Rinaldi first. Let's talk about drama. Oh, Lordy. Um, <laughs> I, I worked in healthcare. I got my, my adrenaline fix, and I did become an adrenaline junkie working in emergency services and urgent care services. So when I come home, I want a peaceful lifestyle. Um, I had a very dear friend, and I have a very close relative who they don't know each other, but I, I will guarantee you their behaviors can be pegged to a couple of things. Number one, they are drama addicted. It is an adrenaline addiction. Yeah, It truly is. Again, biochemical addiction is such a big thing in our behavior. Both of them, I will tell you the commonality, both of them used to love watching soap operas. What does that project? <laughs> yes, yes. Both of, <laughs> yeah, both of them are huge reality TV fans. Yeah. And I can tell you that both of them Neither of them actually have set foot in my home in over five years because, frankly, I don't need it in my world. I love them from a distance. I have a very peaceful world. That's what I want, like Sandra. Um, I choose to love these people from a distance. Have I cut them out of my life? They haven't done anything to me that requires that. I have really good, really healthy boundaries. But they are biochemically addicted to it's an adrenaline addiction. Yeah. They yeah. if if they're not in drama, they're making drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's interesting. The idea of drama, it it can be really, really negative, obviously. Like I think it can be really distracting and destructive. But I also think and this is Anne, by the way, I think that, that drama has a role to play. Um, drama has, there are times when um, drama connects us through a common emotion that, you know, if, 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 and it's, you know, why are we drawn to it and why do people thrive on it? And I think that, that when somebody is mirroring an experience that we have had, that we have felt, maybe it's something that, that exists somewhere inside of us, but we've never had the words for it. And to see someone else mirror that same experience helps a person to feel uh, understood or normalized. 
right? So there, there is a place for constructed drama. You know, why do we go to the theater? Why, you know, why are movies written the way that they are? Um, you know, is, is there's, there is the dramatic moment and what's the value of that? And it, it really is, is tapping into the emotions and how do we express ourselves? So I think it's the key is, is how do you, how do you have that positive part where drama helps us with self-understanding and feeling connected and feeling, you know, really unity with other people. And how do we stay away from the negative expression is when drama runs amok, when it becomes, you know, this, everything becomes dramatic and it, and it becomes, uh, um, bringing a lot of negative energy. That, you know what, that is so true. And it's so funny that you say that because, I remember I was in a situation where there was lots of drama. And when I was in it, I didn't realize I was. Mm -hmm. You know, drama, first of all, is entertaining for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So, and before, like the internet came, you know, and, and cable, you know, we can only get drama from Nat Geo Wild or the Animal Planet or your neighbors if you was, you know, nosy enough or lucky to catch something that they were doing. But people enjoy drama because it helps us just like, you know, just like um, it was mentioned before, it helps us understand that we are not alone in our uncomfortable, lively situations. But we fail to realize that we were never alone and we never will be. We have to abandon. This is what I think. We have to abandon the ideology of societal standards because it teaches us that we should have this perfect lifestyle with no issues or conflict. But the universe itself doesn't even play by those rules. Sometimes things happen in life that is uncomfortable and it's okay to share it. Now, when I was in, and I would tell you guys, I was in Michigan. This is when I realized that, you know, I was in, you know, my drama uh, lifestyle. I was around people who mentality and mind state was way different from mine. I came across and here you are, you know, here I am, a sister going into the hood, you know, per se. And you have all of these people with how you should be acting because of because of the um, environment that we're in and also our culture. That's not my cup of tea. I'm like, you know what? Let's love, let's have fun, let's have laughter, and let's enjoy each, each other's energy. But unfortunately, I was tested. And I was tested to create drama. And because I had to survive, drama was created. Because I'm not the type of person where I'm just going to let you walk over me. That's not, you know, I, I love first, but don't take me to the left because then you're going to wish that you never did, you know? So those type of people were bringing the drama out of me and I had to stop. And at first I didn't realize it because I was in this defensive mode. Okay. Who's trying, who's, who's trying to say this? Who's trying to say that? Who's spreading this rumor? I mean, literally I was mentally gone, but it took, and I, you know, and I thank God that I am a conscious individual because I could have stayed in all of that drama and I could have easily, when I say easily caught a case, I could have caught a case and been behind bars because I do believe in defending myself, but thank God I was conscious and I walked by a mirror. It took me walking by a mirror to look at myself and see this darkness and go, child, this is not you. There was so much. And when I say there was so much drama happening, my sister would call me just to share what I was going through because she wanted some type 
type of drama and laughter in her life. So, you know, when it comes to drama, it's just, you know, it's entertaining for people. It creates adrenaline, you know, cortisone, all those things. And and, in a sense, we have to ask ourselves, you know, are we fiends because we're addicted to these, you know, to these chemicals, you know? It's so interesting. This is Linda. I I think that we start with drama as small children on the playground. Oh, yes. I think we do uh, things for attention, negative or positive in some cases. And I think that it's possible for drama to be very positive, as you said earlier, and I think Kimberly said as well, it's unity, or Anne, I believe, said it. And Mm -hmm. there is a lot of good things about drama. It can draw you together. It's exciting. it's, It's fun. I think, though, the social construct these days is that drama is overdone. It's negative. It's mm-hmm. it's entropy. It's everything seeking its lowest level. But if you take a step back, I think a lot of people are in the place where you just mentioned, Daya, that they didn't see it for themselves. They, they become comfortable in their own chaos. And right. when you're comfortable in your own chaos, mm-hmm. and that's the way of life for you, that's the way you react. I know I was in a very negative um, relationship for a very, very long time. And uh, it took me a while to realize that it was not bringing out the best in me, not Mm -hmm. by a long shot, and that I had changed. And after my divorce, I found the real me again. But you don't realize it at the beginning. It's insidious. Drama doesn't just walk into your life. You You create it, you invite it, or you associate with it. And you, you have to kind of know where you are on that timeline and, and what's fascinating to begin with or just happens and you don't even realize it. If it's affecting you negatively, um, that's to me where maturity and wisdom steps in to say, no, this is not who I want to be or who I was meant to be. And so drama can be instructive. Yes, it can. And, you know, I say this because, and you know what, I love the fact that you said that you have to be mature enough to step out of it. A lot of us is not mature when it comes to that drama. It's like, you know, we, 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 we walk with the, you know, when they say, you know, you're following the sheep, you're following the crowd. Everyone tends to do that. And one thing that I realized when I was going through my drama is that the drama always cause trauma. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that? It I caused do. trauma. So I kept saying to myself, oh my God, there was a time where the drama caused bloodshed. Then the, co- then the drama caused another fight. And then I had to look at my children and they were slowly being put into this drama, this chaos, this chaotic way of living, which almost became my lifestyle. So I had to say to myself that here comes the maturity, right? Here comes the consciousness. Daia, are you above this? And the reason why I felt like I was above it is because I had self-esteem. So sometimes I said, when I look back on those days, I say to myself, if I didn't have the self-esteem that I had, would I have been able to pull out of the drama? You know, this is Kimberly. And honestly, for me, 
I have to take a step back and really look at drama. I grew up in really difficult circumstances, um, abuse, addiction. Um, I know we're going into a break, and when we come back, I want to get into that a little bit more because I really, I'm going to stand on this, and I'm going to disagree with you ladies that drama is anything but negative. I truly believe drama is taking the trauma, taking the experience, and moving it past where the purpose is. So we're going into our next break. Dynamic Women Talk Radio, also on iTunes. We're having conversations that change lives, change perspectives, and change circumstances. Join us back here after the break. Join us on iTunes as well. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. son just adopted a dog, a red fox Labrador named Scout. There is no better psychologist in the world to help you feel good, like a happy-go-lucky Norse Boris puppy licking your face. Dogs are really smart. If you think dogs can't count, try putting three dog biscuits in your pocket and then giving Fido only two of them. Your dog will be snuzzling or poking around with his nose to find the last biscuit. If people are really smarter than dogs, why are we the ones walking along behind them with the pooper scooper? The reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail instead of his tongue. Even though owning a dog can cause us to become dartle dum doos or someone who spent all of their energy, dogs reward us by giving us their all. It's the best deal man has ever made. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and Linda Crater, and we are talking today about drama. And Kimberly Rinaldi introduced a great um, topic uh, with respect to drama, because I'm drama averse, and she has a very interesting opinion. And today's show, as all of our shows are on Dynamic Women Talk Radio, are opinions meant to foster awareness, to foster education, to foster a new way of thinking. And Kimberly, you're going to talk about how drama Drama can actually be positive. And this is, I'm really excited about this because yeah. I always dismiss drama <laughs> Wait, as negative. No, no. Drama no. negative. Bad, yeah. bad drama. Bad. Um, no, if that's what was said, I apologize. The coffee hasn't kicked in. <laughs> it um, was the opposite. It was quite the opposite. No, I grew up in circumstances where drama was all I knew. Um, substance abuse, domestic violence, uh, sexual abuse, addiction, all of these things. And because of that, became very drama addicted and actually got into an industry, the healthcare industry, and got into high adrenaline direction because I needed to feed this. Mm-hmm. And yes. I wasn't creating enough of it outside of that world. At the age of 28, I made a huge change in my world. I got married to Mr. Rinaldi, who is very passive, God love him, um, and found the peace of, hey, everything isn't a damn crisis. It Really, for me, in the healing, in the process, and we were kind of talking about it on break, and that's why I wish we didn't have breaks because we could share all the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about the fact that in today's day and age, 
drama seems to be the outcome of traumatic events. It seems to be the outcome of highly focused emotional circumstance. You can have the, the traumatic event. You can have the high emotional circumstance. You can have all of these issues without moving it into drama. I think drama is a directed choice, whether conscious or otherwise, to take something beyond its purposefulness. And for me, this is something that I try and explain to people in my world. I was, again, drama addicted. I loved and I use horror movies and horror books as an example. And Stephen King, bless his crazy heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I had first editions. I had every book he ever wrote. And then it occurred to me, and we're going to go a little woo-woo here, but it's also um, quantum physics. Somebody had to think of this circumstance to write it down. Somebody got behind it and published it. Somebody got behind it and marketed it. It then became a movie. It was produced. It was acted on. It was then released to the masses. What is behind this? It all comes down to energy and intention. And when you look at the energy and intention of this dramatic, and I use the terms dramatic event, whether it's a horror flick, whether it's an um, action-adventure, wh- whether it's you know a reality TV program, we're now putting more and more energy into this thing. Thoughts become things. These things become entities of their own energetically. Is it a conscious thought? Is it, con- is it a conscious entity? I'm not going to go down that conversation in this room or in this group right now, but my, my belief, my understanding, my expression, my experience is drama is never a positive direction. Off my soapbox now. <laughs> you know, I think it, this is Anne, and I think it's it's difficult as we're talking about it. It's easy to get to get the two ideas conflated or confused. The idea of trauma and drama, and and to say okay, well, sometimes we think of them as being the same thing. And I think drama is something. I mean, trauma is something that is nobody wants it. It's obviously really really difficult, really hard. But it it does in most cases serve a purpose. It does show us our junk. It shows us where we need to grow, right? It, it helps us in terms of, of facing the parts of ourselves or whatever thought patterns or belief patterns might be holding us back. So um, in that sense, when life trauma happens, it frequently can be um, the first step in an awakening. It can be bringing you forward into a higher vibration. Um, and if you're trying to separate these terms, two terms and say, okay, what's the difference between trauma and drama? Well, is drama in that case, is that situation where, okay, you experience trauma, but you get to choose how you react to the drama. Do you, or to the trauma, do you stay in a place where you're in victim mode, where you're continuing the emotional high of that experience? And that would be drama. So I think in terms of acting out our lives, um, having that, that drama where it extends that keeps you in a negative space, keeps you in that negativity can be really, really negative. Um, on the other hand, why is it that we gravitate to drama in, um, you know, in television and in theater? And I think, well, there it's being mirrored to us, what are helping us to better understand ourselves. It's not something we're living in the moment, but it's perhaps showing us some piece of ourselves or some emotion that we've had that's been buried that we haven't faced and helping us to put a name to it. You know what? I would have to agree with that. That, you know what? That was very tasteful to me. And I say that because you know, we're talking about all of this drama, right? And we're all the actors of our dramatic scripts. 
whether it is negative and whether it is positive. But my question, and maybe you girls can even help me with this. Why is it that when we hear the word or we use the word drama, we always tend to parallel it with negativity? Why isn't drama? Why can't we say drama? Oh, yeah, it was so, you know, unless we're unless we're unless we're watching a play or something, then someone would say, oh, my God, it was so dramatic. Then we already know, Okay, then this is a possibility that this was good. But why is it that it's almost like we have been conditioned? Yes. Have we been conditioned to use the word drama and automatically go left with it? Why is that? Why why is that happening? I had a wonderful counselor once who said this to me, and I think it suits this topic very, very well, because I think that there's so much drama these days about everything. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about um, how much energy you give things and how to decide how much energy to give things, how much of your life to give to whatever is happening. And she said, take a look first. Is it a lump in your oatmeal? Is it a lump in your throat or is it a lump in your breast? And act accordingly because not everything is hair on fire. Not everything Mm -hmm. is a drama. And yet that's the default mode for many people. Personally, I am bored with drama. If someone is dramatic and and over the top all the time, I'm bored by them. And I will distance myself from them. So I I often take those wise words that she gave me and and do a quick analysis and decide how much energy to give it. And, of course, it depends on a lot of circumstances at the time. But hair on fire, other people's emergencies, lack of planning, all of those sorts of things, these are choices that they make. But I can make a choice about how I choose to engage or to let go and disengage. That's so tasteful. Thanks. Kimberly. You know, and I, I kind of want to go back to Anne and Daia's conversation about entertainment with this. Um, from a behavioral perspective, I want you guys to become aware. How are you sitting and watching television? How are you sitting and watching movies? How are you sitting and watching theater, actual theater? You are sitting and you are watching with your eyes at about 30 degrees above horizon level, typically. This is a standard. Why is this important? When you do this from a physiological perspective, it puts you into the potential for altered consciousness. It allows you to enter into an alpha state. That's a hypnotic state, folks. Yes, yes. Just that movement of raising your eyes 30 degrees above horizon opens you up to biological change in what you're allowing in. Mm -hmm. Why do you think advertising on television is so powerful? The second aspect of that, the human brain learns in visual metaphor. Not the written word. Visual metaphor is how the human brain processes things. So now you're taking in a visual metaphor that... Again, and I stand by this, I disagree that this is ever a good thing when it's a negative perspective. You are bringing this in and you are consuming it and you are making it part of your learning experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just by the aspect of sitting there, looking at 30 degrees above the horizon line and allowing it to become part of your world. This is one of the reasons why I get up on this soapbox all the time. Not everybody understands this. These are known facts in 
education. <laughs> Why do you think teachers stand and students sit? Right. Right. Become consciously aware of everything you're taking on. And I don't believe drama ever serves a purpose. Yes, trauma, T-R-A-U-M-A, we have it. It's part of our human experience. Mm-hmm. Drama is our response to it. And I don't believe allowing it in your world is ever purposeful. Hmm. Do you know the, the one place in general, I really agree with you, Kimberly. And I think I, I can actually, like for myself, I think I mentioned earlier that I've been on a media diet and uh, been purposefully choosing things that are really uplifting. And it's actually been wonderful for my sleep and my mental state as I'm going to bed, which is fantastic. But the one place where I would I would disagree is only in a situation where someone has an experience that they can't name, where they can't identify it, and that seeing it mirrored for them helps them to understand something about themselves better. So there's a lot of cases where we have trauma that isn't current, that's old trauma, that's buried trauma, and that a drama where seeing that um, it can help you, if somebody else expresses it, it can help you to understand some piece of yourself that may be latent that could be buried, that needs to come forward. And and the only way you can actually release old emotion, buried emotion, is through basically from stopping to hold on to it, to re-experiencing that emotion and letting it pass, letting it go through you the way emotion should. I, I, while I respect your perspective on this, um, in the behavioral modalities that I work within, I disagree very respectfully. You can release negative emotion. You can release negative experience without ever naming it, without ever being aware of it. There are tools out there that allow you to do so. Um, I would recommend if somebody has something that isn't making them feel healthy, they research the different modalities. Because honestly, one of the most difficult things I ever went through was actual traditional counseling, which is very scab picky in its its behavior. And if you understand Western medicine, and if you understand the mental health system, it's not geared towards change. Mm -hmm. It's geared for diagnostic identification. So there is no purposefulness in this for looking at the specific difficult emotion other than diagnostic identification. I work with a lot of mental health professionals and training them in behavior. And this is a conversation we have over and over again. It is a broken system. Unfortunately, it's the one we have. So, Anne, while I I respect your opinion, um, I stand by this. All right. Well, I want to thank our guests today. This is why we have these shows, because we've got different opinions, and together we arrive at a greater understanding Um, even if we are just, um, you know, we're just educating ourselves. I mean, I look at Anne's point of view. I look at Kimberly's point of view and I don't know where I stand. This is why shows like this are so great. And um, I love that we can do this without drama. Um, We can each respect (laughs) their opinions. And I really, well, it's important because a lot of times, you know, and you've done this, you've gotten together with your girlfriends and found that it blew up like, you know, you you don't even know how it happened. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about how do we talk to people and respect their opinions but still hold our ground and not create more drama. We'll be back after the break. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio and we'll return after these short messages.
the man who had a fir tree growing in his lung? A 28-year-old male living in central Russia went to the hospital complaining of chest pain. And when doctors x-rayed his chest, they found what appeared to be a tumor in one of his lungs. However, upon closer inspection, they were amazed to find this tumor was actually a small fir tree complete with needles. The mopsicle-faced surgeon said he couldn't believe what he was seeing. What's another word for a skeptic? A pyronist. The five-centimeter branch was removed from the patient and kept by the tree surgeon for further examination. Doctors suggest the man might have inhaled a small bud which then started to grow inside his body. What's the word for the fear of trees? Dendrophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Just as you need to give your car gasoline or diesel to fuel it, you need to give your body the right kind of fuel also. I am often asked, should I eat before I work out? The answer is yes. Cooper Aerobic Center recommends that you eat oatmeal or another hot cereal, a plain English muffin, toast or mini bagel, low-fat or fat-free regular or Greek yogurt, a fruit smoothie, or a snack bar before you work out. Eating a piece of fruit is a fabulous choice because it is low-calorie, packed with vitamins and minerals, and carbohydrates are the optimal fuel source to consume before a workout. Your body requires carbohydrates, and they are absorbed very quickly. Eating an apple or banana on your way to the gym is a good idea and will fuel your body for the workout ahead. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. We are continuing our discussion on drama. And, you know, we talk on the breaks, and as uh, I believe Kimberly said, it would be nice if we had all of our break discussions out on the air as well. But we were talking about a quote by Nicolas Cage, and he was talking about drama, and he said this quote, I think what makes people fascinating is conflict. It's drama, it's the human condition, and nobody wants to watch perfection. So I, I think that is a very strong statement. It reflects on a lot of different values. Kimberly, do you want to take that first? Absolutely. And I had to look up how to pronounce it. My mother's Schoen maiden Freude. name, Schoedenfreude. Right. Or Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Um, right. Oh, wow. That's a t- wow. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because mother's maiden name, Rosten Hustler. So I should know this. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well uh, thank you. So Schadenfreude is... Pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Frankly, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm immune to this. I'm not saying I haven't pointed and laughed when somebody's fallen. Right, you right. Know, we're, we're all human. For, right. You know, I'm not standing there going, you know, hands to my heart, I will embrace you and love. No, I'm going to point and laugh, <laughs> especially if I warned your ass not to do it. <laughs> but... Here's the thing. It, it makes, we are human. This makes us look at what we're going through and makes us feel better about where we are. And that's what the Schadenfreude is about. It is part of our DNA. It is part of our humanity. It makes us feel like if they're going through that, I might not be alone in this. And frankly, and I forget what the quote is, but essentially I will, um, 
I'll sort of sum it up. It's if we were all to take our personal problems and throw them into a pile, our traumas, our dramas, our discontents, we would happily walk away with our own. Because frankly, life is hard for each one of us in very different ways, but we are equipped to deal with what we are experiencing. And schadenfreude helps us feel better. And that's really what we're all after. You know what, Kimberly, that's exactly what we are after. And just like you said, we are all human, okay? We all understand that, right? And But some of us are blessed enough to be aware of ourselves and then we and then we question ourselves, but positively by saying stuff like, you know, I understand that I'm human. Am I going to strive to become or here we go? Am I going to be average or am I going to strive to be a little bit above average? Right. So I want to I want to tell you guys this old fable. I use this fable a lot because I always try to remind people that the power is always in us, no matter what situation we're in drama, you know, how are you going to use this power? Even if you're creating drama, how are you going to use this power so that it will work in your favor or so that it may not harm others? So here's a favor. You guys tell me what you think about this. So it's an oriental fable that tells of ancient gods trying to decide where to hide the power of the universe. Have you guys, have you guys heard this fable where to hide the power of the universe? No, no. Okay. So here we go. Okay. 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 So this is a good one. So they wanted to hide the power of the universe so that man would not find it or use it destructively. Okay. So one God said, let us hide it on top of the highest mountain. But they decided that man would eventually scale the highest mountain and find the great power. Then another God said, well, let, let's let us hide this power at the bottom of the sea. And then again, it was decided that man would extremely explore the depths of the sea. And then here comes a third God who suggested and he said, let us hide the great power of the universe in the middle of the earth. But then they all realized that. Man would someday conquer that region too, right? Then the wisest God came and said, I know what to do. Let us hide the great power of the universe within man. He will never think to look for it there. And then according to this fable, they did. They hid the power of the universe within man. And it is. And of course, we all know it is still there today. Now, I don't mean to, you know, depending on everybody's beliefs or whatever the case may be. But every time I come across a situation that I want to change, I remember that fable. You know what I mean? And I said to myself, well, where is my power? My power, is, of course, is inside of me. So how am I, whether it's drama or whatever situation I'm in, just like you said, Kimberly, before, how am I going to make this work for me? And how am I going to feel good about the situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it, how to feel good about the situation is a, is a big one, isn't it? Yes, um, it is. <laughs> and I think it's interesting as we're, as we're talking about this and understanding is, you know, looking within and that's where your power is. And I think the way that we, 
um, think about the world. Most of us spend so much time in our head in terms of how we process the world and understand things that we, you know, we understand things in terms of comparison. And you guys were talking mm-hmm. about social media and, and we do this to understand not just ourselves, but everything in the world is, is, is we understand one thing by comparing it against something else. If you're at the grocery store and you're picking apples, you're going to decide which one is bigger or which one is smaller, right? It's, it's always comparison. So always, when we're looking yeah. at social media, it's, it's we're looking at everything from this perspective of trying to understand ourselves through comparison with other people. And that can be, it's difficult because it's a, it's a natural mental construct, but it, it can also be um, a, a really negative construct. So if we're looking at others to say, okay, am I better or worse? Am I taller or shorter, fatter or thinner? You know, how do I measure up? Mm-hmm. And it's, it not only does it make us feel bad, but it, it makes us unsupportive of others. It creates an environment of competition, which I think is, is really, really negative. And I think, you know, it's a choice if instead, if you just change that construct and you looked at others, and instead of saying, am I better or worse? And you instead said that when you see someone else who has something that you want, you instead said that's proof that it's possible. Right. If you saw each person, if you looked on social media and said, or if you, okay, this person is, boy, I, you know, I wish that I had that or was that or could be that or could do that. And rather than comparing yourself and saying, I'm less than, I'm not good enough, you instead said, no, that's proof that it's possible and that it's coming to me, that I can do that too. If she can do it, everyone can. You know, and I love that, I love that you brought that up, Anne. One of the, um, behavioral modalities that I'm trained in is neurolinguistic programming and the process and concept is if one can, all can. It's breaking down the strategies and repeating them consistently that will make it happen. So I love that direction. One of the things that I look at, I started my yogic practice at the age, tender age of five years old with uh, Lilius on PBS. (laughs) Seriously, I've been doing yoga for 45 years. And one of the things that we are taught in a yogic practice is you do not compare yourself to anyone. You don't even compare yourself to yourself. You are not who you were yesterday. You are not who you are going to be tomorrow. And ultimately it will only make it more difficult for you to master your own practice. So considering that you just do what you can Do what Mm -hmm. you can today. Stretch a little bit more than just a moment ago. And that, I think, when we're looking at this conversation around drama, um, you know, it goes back to how do you feel better? What can you do to get back to that place of feeling better? And I don't believe drama helps any of us feel better. You know, I, I want to insert a question in here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that with social media, the, the news cycles being so brief, the, the tempo of life, that society has a tendency to affect us to too great an extent. And I would love to know your thoughts, all of you, on how does age and maturity change your perspective on viewing those outside influences as, as you get older? And we'll start with you. Oh gosh, I think it has a huge effect actually, because I think when you're and I have I have teenage children, so it's really fascinating for me to relive that part of my life and to to have those that perspective brought so fresh, you know, in a way that's so fresh for me. 
Um, because I think when you're young, you really are trying to um, understand the world and you're trying to understand yourself. So you're you're spending a whole lot more time and it's it's an interesting balance. You're spending a lot of time seeing what else is out there, but then you're at the same time very self-centered, right? You're, everything reflects back on you and it's all about how am I perceived in the world? So it's like you're looking at the world, but you're also looking in a mirror all the time. And then when I got older, now my mirror is gone <laughs> and I'm really not that concerned about myself anymore. Mm-hmm, I'm much mm-hmm. more interested in other people and I'm interested in seeing and I'm, I'm much more open and I'm, I guess I'm just good in my own skin. Mm-hmm. So it, it really does shift as you get older. You know what? Yeah. And you know what? But this is this is one thing that I would like to say. Um, I don't think that age has anything to do. Not saying that you said it, but uh, I don't think that age has anything to do with it. You know, I don't think age changes it at all. It's just your experiences in life. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, someone said experience. Yeah. <laughs> Well, age your, and experience it, do tend to go together. They they t- they do tend to go together, but not always, though. True. You know, and and the reason why I say this is because you know, ever since I was little, people used to always say, "Oh my gosh, he acts like a." You know, you ever see those young kids? You know, oh my god, they act like an old person or the old lady or old soul or they've been here before. You know, and I've always been like that type of person where people would say. Oh my goodness, you've been here before. How, you know, how did you know that or or whatever the case may be? I didn't get it when I was younger though. You know, exactly like what they meant. It took me to be maybe about 30, maybe about 35, 36 where I was like, "Okay, this is what people mean by that." But it's always your experience, right? Because I was when I was growing up, I had to grow up very fast, you know? And when I grew up very fast, I learned quickly. And within that learning, you know, it was it, it, it was the uh, the the development of myself. So with the development of myself and my mother teaching me about um, what's the word I'm looking for here? You guys uh, self-esteem. Oh, yeah, that's tasty to me. Self-esteem. <laughs> it was good. And that's how I got the residuals of who I am today. I love that. And, you know, we're going on our last break for this hour. And I would love when we come back from the break to talk about how that growth of self-esteem, that experience of age and life, how that perspective changes and makes us happier for others. We'll come back after this very short break. You're listening to Dynamic Women Talk Radio. And we'll be right back. Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. 
What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's merging. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The journal Pediatrics reports on teens developing heart problems, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes, and it is shocking. The study shows that diabetes has jumped from 9% a decade ago to a dreadful 23% today. That's nearly a quarter of all teens at risk of needing daily insulin injections to control their blood sugar levels. With around one-third of all adolescents either overweight or obese, risk factors for heart disease look just as bad. Half of overweight and nearly two-thirds of obese teens are already showing risk factors for heart disease, such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or diabetes risks. It's time to take teenage and childhood obesity seriously and to promote lifestyles of daily exercise and healthy eating for our children. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. We are Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we are talking about drama today. And before the break, we were talking about how maturity and experiences change our perspective as we grow older. I would venture to say that as we also grow more comfortable in our own skin and we have experienced more, we're humbled by life at times, Mm -hmm. I think that our perspective also changes to make us happier for others. We are less judgmental about others and ourselves. We realize our priorities are not other people's priorities and we don't judge them. And we are kinder to others in terms of perspective. So let's talk a little bit how if someone is dramatic, do we look below that outward symptom? And do we look to see if there's something that is causing that drama And how do we help make these people happier, not make, wrong word, erase that. How Mm -hmm. do we assist or support people in in becoming their best selves as well? And when to walk away? Kimberly. Oh, Oh, Anne, I'm sorry, you're right. Oh, it's okay. The, um, you know, it's interesting. I think that idea of how do we support someone who we perceive to be locked in that mind frame of drama or they're, if they're seeking drama in a way that's destructive. Um, and I think that's, it's challenging because I, you know, I think that, that someone has to want to, they have to, they have to want to be better in order to get better. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That in order to bring someone to a new place, they have to identify that they're unhappy where they're at. <laughs> and, um, but you know, if that's the case, I find, um, you know, when I'm when I'm with people or talking with people that are locked in that in that frame of mind, the drama mind frame, I find that it's frequently locked to being in victim mode. Is that it? There comes in that a, a piece of of um, feeling like they're telling themselves a story. Oh, this always happens to me, or um, something that is um, leaves them in that space where they're feeling like a victim and creating more of that victim experience for themselves. And it really is all about perspective. Um, 
there's a wonderful movie that I watched. I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, the in the in the movie, the guy had the ability to go back and relive a day over again. So he would live a day the first time, and they would show the day, and it would have all the upsets and the you know show all the moments of drama through the day, all the difficulties that he came across, and then he would go back and relive the same day over again, but but without the surprise, you know, without and, and it made him have enough distance, detachment to be able to react in a way that was more peaceful. And in, and when he went and did it the second time, he started noticing all the beautiful moments and he reacted differently. And he noticed when the coffee girl smiled at him and it really did change his perspective um, and, and made all of a sudden it was what the end of the day. Yeah, that was a great day as opposed to, oh, it was a terrible day. So I think for me, the idea of how to bring somebody, if, if, they're, if they're recognizing that they're unhappy, is trying to help them out of that victim mentality, help them get to a space. I think we lost Anne. Daya? Okay, yeah, we, looks like we did. Um, you know what? I have to agree with her. And I, you know, I have been around people that have been very dramatic and enjoy, you know, <laughs> the dramatization. But if they are not willing to change, that is a very hard to even work with. I don't even try. There's, there's no way it's like running, you know, try, you know, it's like saying that you're going to run, you know, around the block and you're only, you know, running on the treadmill in your home. It's not, it's just not going to happen. So if a person wants to get out of their drama, I have no problem supporting them. But first, they have to be willing to understand their mentality. And the thing is, they have to be willing to be honest with themselves. First of all, admitting. Some people will say they want to do something, but they can't even admit that what they're trying to get away from that they do anyways. You know, so when I have someone that is constantly going going around the fact that they do it or they try to justify why they do it, I cannot support them. But if they can sit here and give me darn near a verbally template on what they do, I don't have no problem supporting them. And within that support system, I do it out of love. I do it out of patience. And I also do it with a loving criticism. You understand? So that means I don't hold back. I tell people, you ask me a question, you better be ready for the answer because I'm not the type of person where I am going to um, fabricate anything to make you feel comfortable because by doing that simultaneously, I get sick and I love me too much. My self-esteem is high. <laughs> so I don't, I don't do that, you know? So if they are willing to really understand and hear the truth I go hardcore. I go in. And when I go in, I'm the type of person where I don't start a project and don't finish it. So I'm like, you know, I'm that type of person where a lot of my friends go, oh, yeah, Daya is my best friend. Daya is my best friend. Daya is my best friend. Because if I say that I'm going to do something, I always follow through. And they know if I don't follow through, that means something hindered me physically, you know? So it's all about supporting a person, you know, through love, um, through awareness, through consciousness, um, and, and, and also with, um, with, with strategy. And you have to understand before you start supporting someone, you have to be aware on how or what type of words that they are suggestible to. That is a big factor because I can't talk to someone 
who I know is a left brain and I'm right brain and I come to them with a right brain uh, mentality or right brain words and expect for them to get it. That's not that's not going to happen. It's going to be a fail, fail situation each way. So I have to understand exactly how the person is suggestible and I got to understand what are their goals. That's how I go about supporting all of my friends. And every time I support one friend, it's always different. It's never the same. It's, it, it, you know, it's never the same rhythm with each friend. It's always a different rhythm. And that's because I'm aware of who they are and, and I'm aware of who I am. Thank you. That was beautiful. Kimberly? You know, speaking to the awareness of where you begin and others end, um, Linda, you had asked, you know, where, how do we go about this? It's a real simple one for me. Are they paying me? Uh, <laughs> Kimberly! <laughs> no, seriously. No, no, it's a very good point. Yeah, are, they, are, are they paying me? Ah. If they're paying me, if they are a client, a student, an intern, um, well, my employees, um, I, I <laughs> they have to. A child, but okay, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah, okay, yeah, they're paying you because they'll pick your nursing home, I get it. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, I have friends who, you know, bless their hearts, they're struggling, I'm struggling, I have family, they're struggling, I'm struggling. While I say that, and that is a bit tongue-in-cheek and very lighthearted, the reality is it's not my job to fix anyone unless it's my job to give them new tools, new perspectives. For me, is this a client situation, a student situation? Can I make a recommendation to friends? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is, again, we've talked about it ad infinitum, ad nauseum, an addictive aspect to behavior. And for me, I know where I begin and others end. And frankly, if somebody's not seeking it out, I remember where I was when I was in that position of needing to change. You could have preached to me. You could have brought me concrete, specific, evidential proof that this would have worked. And if I wasn't ready for it, I simply wasn't ready for it. And I'm not going to waste my energy trying to move the moon Mm -hmm. into the daylight. It's not my place. We all have a separate path to walk, and I'm going to honor that. Now, that being said, I'm 50. We, we started this conversation a little bit ago. I know Linda brought it up, you know, is it, is it experience? Is it age? Frankly, it's age for me. Mm-hmm. I've, I've mm-hmm. Got a, I had a ton of experience before I had the age. For me, it's age. I look at my lifeline and realize there's only this much left. I am not middle-aged unless I live to 100. I'm on the downward side. Where am I going to spend my energy? Where am I going to spend what I want to do in life is just be peaceful and spread that. And if you live the example of what it is you want for others, very often they change on their own. It's contagious. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot to that. It's interesting. You talk about being 50 and how that changes. It is there's something about achieving that milestone that I remember uh, way back when, when I was in my 20s and my first job and we were going through a training, and uh, this woman came in, and she had us all separate out. Everybody, there's probably 20 of us in the room. She had us separate out by age groups. So there's the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and she went through and, and talked about what it's like to be at each age segment, 
And the thing that was really compelling is that when she finally got to the people who were in their 50s, she said, yeah, by the time you get to your 50s, you're just good. You're not trying. You're not striving. You're just good with your life, good with who you are. You're in a place of peace. And I remember being in my 20s and looking all the way down the line (laughs) at 50 (laughs) saying, that looks pretty darn good. You know, how do I get there? And uh, I'm a whole lot closer. I'm, I'm creeping up on that now. And it's true. It really does change. And I think... I think some of that does relate to what you're saying about um, uh, being comfortable in your own skin, but also about not taking on other people's stuff that I think, you know, we talk about kindness and how can you be kind to other people? Um, and, and a lot of it is um, by showing an example of, of how it can be and approaching other people's issues with a degree of attachment by being available, by modeling what it could be, um, but remaining detached and not getting enmeshed in, in whatever other drama may be out there. And I love your visual of the, the aged segments in the room. And I will liken that to when I went to one of my later college reunions where we all looked pretty darn good, but we were decades <laughs> older than yeah, some of the, sure. you know, the 20s and 30s. They looked exhausted. They looked harried. They mm-hmm. looked yeah. depressed. We looked around at each other and went, we look pretty good. We look good. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> we look really pretty good. So I, I do think that uh, drama shapes us. We have to be careful not to let the drama become the trauma, although they go together and we learn from it and we grow from it. And I will still come back to that one quote I made at the very beginning, which is maturity starts where drama ends. Because I think the lens we view life through tells us the difference between drama and trauma. Ladies, thank you so much for your time. We have been visiting with Kimberly Rinaldi and Tucker Daia Six. And we are so glad that you've joined us on Dynamic Women Talk Radio. These conversations help us to keep evolving as women and to share our thoughts, even when we have diverse opinions and we do it with respect, a great deal of kindness and love. Thank you. And we will be back next week. You can find out more at dynamicwomentalkradio.com. And we welcome you to join us again next week. for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio and join us each week. You can find more shows on dynamicwomentalkradio.com.